You are now tuned in, tune in. to the Spectators, Spectators Podcast. What is happening, you guys? I'm Packy. This is episode 113 of the Spectators Podcast. I hope you all had an excellent Thanksgiving. I know I did. Many a grub, many a drink, many a merry time. Just probably yesterday, yeah, finished eating turkey, finally. It's finally gone. But I, I love the Thanksgiving leftovers. I'm not a snob like that. I'm, I'm not a heathen. Shout out to everybody that took advantage of the sale in the merch shop. Cop the collective jacket with the spec mask. If you hadn't heard, we got a couple new products up in the merch shop. Just in time for the holidays. If you haven't got them, go cop that ASAP so you can get it in before Christmas. All the orders will be shipped out within five business days of the purchase, which should mean you can still easily get your stuff by Christmas. Shouldn't be a problem. I just can't guarantee that like we used to be able to. I can't guarantee anything in 2020 because I know COVID is still causing issues at the post office. But I can guarantee that they will definitely be shipped out on my end. Um, I've taken the merch back over, doing it 100% in-house. We used to do a few things. Uh, well, we used to always do everything in-house. Then as of the last two, three years, maybe two years, we kind of had a hybrid where we did a few few runs out of out of our place, and then we also had a third party keep a bunch of stuff stocked uh, for you guys. But I'm taking it back over 100% in-house. Uh, Going to grow it again that way. I like I like to have quality control over the stuff. I know I like to know exactly what's being shipped out, how it's being handled, when it goes out. We rarely had problems with the third party. It was actually pretty nice. Um, and maybe I'll still roll a few products out here and there from, from a third party when it, when it makes sense. Um, but I'm just kind of a control freak when it comes to our brand. So these orders moving forward, will have the personal packy touch that alone is worth at least an extra four cents. Anyway, Hope you all are doing well. Uh, Glow and I recently finished binging The Undoing on HBO. Really good miniseries, right up our alleys. If you haven't watched that, I recommend it. We've been getting a lot of good TV in this year with all the time spent in the crib. I'll have to go back and make a list of the, of the good ones we've watched for you guys. But we got some interesting stuff to get into today. Some football talk, some Grammys, some randomness. Uh, we'll talk a little Dave Chappelle. You name it, we got it. Subscribe to the Spectators Podcast on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. If you want to go the extra mile, leave a five-star review, please and thank you. Thank you to all the loyal listeners, and let's pod. You are now tuned in, tuned in. to the Spectators, Spectators Podcast. All right, we're going to kick things off with the Grammys. I didn't watch the Grammys, which, why the hell am I going to talk about it if I didn't even watch it? I haven't given the Grammys much thought in a while, to be honest, but I understand their place in music culture and their perceived importance. So I want to talk about that more than ever the last five years or so. I hear so much bitching about the Grammys. So-and-so didn't win and, and should have won. So-and-so didn't deserve it and did win. And some cases are, are clearer snubs than others. But in general, this kind of makes me laugh. Music is subjective by nature. A Grammy Award is the equivalent of, let's say, an NBA MVP award. You know, it's pretty subjective. LeBron James hasn't won an MVP 
for the last seven years. Guess who was the most valuable player in the NBA? Almost all those seasons, minus maybe last year when he was hurt. LeBron James. But there's feelings involved. There are politics involved. Honestly, there's, there's human stupidity involved. Like uh, when Maria Taylor left Anthony Davis off the all-NBA teams because she forgot about him. So it's all subjective. And it makes for entertainment. It makes for interesting conversations. So there's a place for it. But as soon as you look to it for some sense of validation or objectivity, it kind of becomes a problem. And as an artist myself, I do understand the allure of the Grammys, of course. I'm not going to pretend that winning a Grammy wouldn't be amazing. It would. But not winning a Grammy wouldn't take anything away. Um, going with the example with the NBA, I'd rather win an NBA championship, you know? As an artist, I'd rather sell the most records than win a Grammy. I'd rather make the most money than win a Grammy. Objective things like that. Those are cooler to me than a committee deciding I win an award. So when I see people get worked up over Grammy snubs year in and year out, to, to me it's like either stop entertaining the Grammys or create your own thing. Drake posted a message um, that for the most part I thought was pretty good. Um, I'll just read it to you. He said, I think we should stop allowing ourselves to be shocked every year by the disconnect between impactful music and these awards and just accept that what and just accept that what once was the highest form of recognition may no longer matter to the artists that exist now and the ones that come after. It's like a relative you keep expecting to fix up but they just can't change their ways. The other day I said the weekend was a lock for either album or song of the year along with countless other reasonable assumptions and it just never goes that way. This is a great time for somebody to start something new that we can build up over time and pass on to the generations to come. And I agree. People like Drake have all the influence over music culture, more than a Grammy committee. If our favorite artists and musicians got together to create their own award show, and they did it well, they executed it, they could easily over time become the new Grammys. The problem is, how would they do it better than the Grammys? Would they do the same thing? Would they have a committee make these decisions? Essentially just saying our committee is better than your committee? Maybe they could do that. And maybe it would work for a time. To me, though, there's always an expiration date on that. People will like the new thing because the Grammy committee has worn out their welcomes, it seems. But in time, to me, there will inevitably be new snubs from the new committee because that's how subjective awards work. And people will complain about that. That being said, I'd rather see the action of, of, of these big names in music that keep complaining about the Grammys trying to start their own thing than see just the bitching every year about the snubs. And when I say that, I'm talking about the bitching from these big name artists themselves. Um, just as fans, I think that's kind of what these things are for, you know, they're, they're, they're to create conversation. Oh, so-and-so got snubbed. So-and-so didn't like, I think that's part of the point of it. If you're not going to create your own thing, but you hate the Grammys, stop acknowledging them so much. Stop giving them so much power. The difficult part is, is keeping that energy when somebody you like wins. 
the more we acknowledge and build up the Grammys, and the more these big name artists acknowledge and build up the Grammys, the more influence and power they have. If you want to take away that influence and kind of discredit them, then you don't want to be hyping up the winners and, and, and talking about the snubs. That's exactly what the Grammys want and the exact type of marketing and, and, and discourse that keeps them such a relevant fixture in the music world. One of the reasons music is so cool is because one person can truly, truly think a song is terrible. And the person sitting right next to them can truly, truly think that same song is incredible. Nobody can, can truly think Patrick Mahomes is a bad football player. And, and Mitch Trubisky is better. There are numbers, stats, wins, etc. To objectively quantify these things. Music, the closest thing we have to an objective measurement in music is, what, sales? But obviously so much goes into that. You can easily have an incredible song from an unknown artist that just never sees the light of day. And you can have a trash song that sells a ton of records because money was put behind it or, or other reasons. Sales don't always determine what songs are better than others. It's simply when it comes to music, what pleases your ears. And that's all subjective. And that's different for every person. So to attach such importance to something like the Grammys where a group of people are subjectively choosing their favorites of the year, essentially, it's stupid. I don't blame the Grammys. They created these awards and award shows that have become big business and something tons of people are interested in. I blame the people that actively pay attention to it, give it so much power while they hate on it. That's the problem. Um, what else? Everybody wanted to talk about Nate Robinson. I mean, what do you, what do you guys want me to say? He got, he got knocked out. He obviously wasn't ready. Snoop said it best. You don't play fight. Uh, Jake Paul obviously takes his fighting seriously. Trains hard, works at it. I mean, damn. the The best part of this was the memes, uh, all all that stuff that came out of it. A lot of laughs. Just scrolling through Nate Robinson Twitter, it, it's it's pretty good. And this is the crazy thing about the social media age we're in. Nate Robinson made it to the NBA, made millions, had a full career. Won the NBA dunk contest. That's a big deal. It's actually possible that this will be the first thing that pops into people's heads going forward when the name Nate Robinson comes up. That's wild. That sucks. I mean, it is what it is, but damn. Poor, poor Nate, man. Um, another little tidbit I saw just before I started recording. Um, Under Armour is launching a Curry brand. The same way Nike you know, has a Jordan brand. So Steph, from my understanding, will no longer be rocking anything that says Under Armour. It will be Curry brand. And I think that's super dope. It's cool that Curry went with Under Armour to begin with and not Nike or Adidas. It's cool that Under Armour has gone all in on him like that. Obviously, it's not going to be Jordan. I see people already comparing like, ha ha, how is this going to compete with Jordan? Just because it's the same type of thing doesn't mean it's going to be Jordan. I don't think anybody thinks that. Nothing will ever be Jordan Brand. But we can't forget how popular a player Steph can be. If he stays healthy and the Warriors get back healthy, there was a period of time where he was the most exciting player in the league to watch. And he can still get back there and the Warriors have enough pieces to contend. If the Warriors suck or Steph can't stay healthy, 
then that's going to be tough for a brand to maintain, in my opinion. It might go down like a C-Web's Dada brand. Um, but it's just interesting, something to, something to keep an eye on in that world. Um, let's, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit of football. Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn have been relieved of their duties as Detroit Lions head coach and general manager. Praise God. Praise God. Don't need to go into detail about why I wanted these guys gone. You guys already know. But glad to, glad to see it finally happen. Um, one of the big things that happened in the NFL that a few people mentioned, uh, they wanted to hear about. All three of the Denver Broncos quarterbacks were on the COVID list and inactive for the game on Sunday. So the Broncos had to turn to practice squad wide receiver Kendall Hinton. Hinton played QB in high school and some QB in college. Well, he went one for nine for, I believe, 13 yards and two picks. Now, by no means am I coming at Hinton at all. He got called upon, did his best. But what the hell is Denver doing? You're an NFL team. I understand you don't have any quarterbacks. It's a shitty situation to be in. But my first instinct, if I was a coach, would be before I go throw a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback to, to run the offense. I'm just going to go wildcat the whole game. And I hate the wildcat, but this is the situation you're given. We're not going to throw the ball one time. And I'm going for it on fourth and shorts for the most part. So I have four downs to get 10 yards on the ground every time. Would they probably still lose? Absolutely. They were playing a good team without a quarterback. But they might as well have forfeited the game with the plan they went into the game with. Secondly, if you're going to actually try to have somebody play the quarterback position, if you insist on trying to throw the ball a little bit, line up, run some fly routes, take a bunch of shots downfield. Maybe your wide receivers come up with a play or two. Maybe you get some pass interference. And worst case scenario, it's picked off and it's an arm punt. It just seemed like there was no strategy at all there. And it's, it's those types of things that I judge coaches on it's the same way last week I talked about the the draft right it's not even necessarily about the end result oh you got this good player it's not about oh you got smoked in this game it's about the blueprint and the strategy you went you went into it with maybe uh you know I talked about the Pistons last week maybe they don't end up getting the right players but there's a plan and there's something being executed in this Denver game it was like what is the plan Terrible coaching, in my opinion. Um, over in college football, my state boys got another victory. So we got two wins this year. One against then number 13 U of M and now against number 8 Northwestern. Uh, and then we have three losses. Uh, a shutout to number 10 Indiana, I believe. I mean, disgusting to get shut out, but fine. But then a seven turnover loss to Rutgers and a 42-point beatdown at the hands of unranked Iowa. So I have no clue what to make of this team. We have Ohio State on deck now. Safe to assume we'll get smacked, but, I mean, who knows at this point? Still trying to figure this team out. So, happy to get the unexpected win, though. Um, the big story in college football over the weekend was uh, Sarah Fuller, who became the first woman to participate in a Power 5 football game. Uh, she was the kicker for Vanderbilt over the weekend. So, as with many things I talk about here, my opinion is we all need to relax with the extremes. First, 
you have some people upset about it and, and the coverage it gets. But guys, you have a woman playing football. What do you expect the media to do? You know I hate tons of things media does. Do you expect them to not cover this? Of course it's going to get covered. Uh, she didn't get to attempt any field goals or extra points. And as a matter of fact, she only got to kick off once. Uh, and the video going around her kickoff, it was a 35-yard kick, something like that. But if you watch it, and, you, and it, was a, it was a punch to the right. And I'm fine to believe it was drawn up that way. She's a really good soccer player. I'd assume she could kick a football better than that. If that was the kick that was drawn up, though, which it seems like it was, and the, you can watch the way she kicked it. It seemed like that was the plan. Fuck her coach. You got all eyes on this woman making history. You know, you got the play like a girl slogan. All these conversations going on, and you don't let her line up and boot it? That is, that is malpractice. And no wonder he was fired after the game. So as far as actually judging Sarah Fuller on the merits, who knows? Nobody actually knows if she's good or not based on her performance that game. She got to kick off once and they didn't even let her boot it. So I, I was trying to figure out if she's good. And the best I could find was that in her press conference, she said her longest field goal in practice so far was 38 yards. Now, 38 yards is far from impressive for a college kicker. But she's not on scholarship to be a college kicker. She's an emergency replacement for a team that needed a kicker and, and was has struggled with kickers this year from the sounds of it. So like I said before, I don't know how anyone can judge whether she's good or not based on what we know. I saw a lot of like, oh, did you see that? She only kicked it however many yards. That did not look like somebody lining up trying to boot the ball downfield. That looked like she did exactly what she was told to do, which was punch it down the right side. I blame the coach. I will say, I personally don't think women should be playing college football, men's college football, because I don't want to see them get hit. That's me. There's a reason we have men's sports and women's sports, and there's a reason we don't have college football for women. There's a reason men and women don't compete against each other in any sports, in boxing, UFC, anything like that. I don't think they should have football either, but she's an adult. She has adults around her making these decisions. They all wanted to do it, and she wanted to do it, so who am I to say no? That's just my opinion. And good for her for stepping outside of her comfort zones and, and getting out there. She's got, got something on her resume now that nobody can take away. Now, the other extreme, on the one hand, you have, you have people clowning her, which is super whack. Like I said, she had the opportunity. She took it. Why would you clown her? Oh, she only kicked it 30 yards. I'm, I'm positive that was the plan. I'm 98% sure that was the plan. You can see the way she kicked it. It seemed to be an intentional punch. At first, I saw it going around too, and I was like, oh, everybody's hyping this up, and it was a 30-yard kick. But the more I watched it the more I, or, and heard about it, I was like, oh, shit, that looks intentional. And I think that's what the coach said too. If it turns out it wasn't, then fine. Judge her on that, how, how you judge any other kicker. But I think it was intentional, and I hate that her coach did that. But it is what it is. Side note, as far as clowning her, while I was looking this up for, for the pod, I did find that apparently she gave a pep talk to the team at halftime. I'm straight on that. 
And it really has nothing to do with her being a woman. Take the gender out of it. You've been playing football your whole life. You go through spring ball. You're grinding your way through the season. An emergency kicker makes their way onto the team for a game. A soccer player. And they want to give a speech about what we should be doing at halftime. Saying we should be cheering more. That's, that's going to be a no for me. But outside of that, there's no reason to clown her. It, it Honestly, it'd be like clowning uh, Kendall Hinton. We just talked about the Broncos. Clowning him for playing quarterback for the Broncos. What's he supposed to do? Not go play when given the opportunity? But then the other extreme is, you know, the big-time feminists and such. You know, uh, Sports Center posted the clip of her kick and, and tweeted in all caps, changing the game. And Hillary Clinton retweeted it and said, Thank you, Sarah, for helping to prove that women and girls belong on every playing field, quite literally. Changing the game, bro. Come on. Come on. She's not changing the game. It's like saying Kendall Hinton changed the game. Wide receivers can play quarterback now. No. It's a cool story. Give props to the person. But let's not live in fairytale land here for the, for the sake of a narrative. We're not just going to start seeing women kicking in college football now for obvious reasons. So, like I said with the extremes, cool story. Let it be a cool story. Give props to the woman. But relax on the big-time narratives. Either way. Um, Dave Chappelle. For those of you that missed it, uh, go check out Dave Chappelle's, I think it's probably still his latest Instagram post. Uh, this was kind of a big story when it happened, and it's like a almost a 20-minute video, so I can't play it for you. If you haven't heard it, you got to go check it out yourself. Um, this was really interesting. Um, for the most part, I thought it was pretty dope, dope other than maybe one part, and I'll get to that later. But essentially, Dave Chappelle is saying he's had bad contracts where he's not being compensated properly. He's tried to correct these contracts and still do business with these people. They won't. He understands it's business, but he also understands he's Dave Chappelle. So he's asking his fans to essentially boycott his show, Chappelle show on HBO, because he's not seeing the royalties for it. And as a fan of Dave Chappelle myself, um, and a fan of Chappelle show, I'm happy to oblige with that request. I wasn't in the process of watching this, but if I ever had the urge, I won't. Um, the entertainment industry can be like this. This isn't the same thing, but it's another reality. As a recording artist, my music is on Spotify and Apple Music. I essentially have a contract with Spotify and Apple Music where they take a cut and I take a cut. Especially with Spotify, I think my cut is trash. But at the end of the day, it can't be that trash if I still choose to put my music on their app, right? I choose that out of my own free will. Now that gets complicated because that's big, big companies and monopolies and I don't really have much of a choice in the matter if I want my music out there. There's not tons of choices. But the principle is the same. I'm still signing up for their service. In this Dave Chappelle scenario, he doesn't want his product on HBO. But he doesn't have the ability to take it down. He doesn't own the material due to the contracts he's signed in the past. It's like an artist that doesn't have ownership of their music. Maybe that song gets placed in an advertisement that the artist doesn't like. Um, 
maybe maybe they don't even make any money um, or barely any money off of it. But they don't have a say in the matter because based on their contracts, they don't own the music. It's a shitty side of the entertainment industry. We kind of touched on it with the Scooter Braun, Taylor Swift thing, right? You can understand both sides, but you do have to understand that some of these things happen in big part because of the ownership that these companies have. A song blows up because a record label invested super heavily into it because they knew they'd reap the rewards on the back end. The thing that sucks for Dave Chappelle here is that based on everything I know about this situation, most execs and such never thought Chappelle's show was going to be a big success. So for Dave, when it does succeed beyond their wildest expectations, it's shitty that they get to reap the benefit and not him. At least to the, to the extents that he wanted to. But like he says even now, that's what the contract stated all along. So you have this interesting scenario where I don't think either party is super wrong or anything. You have Viacom who, who bought the rights to Chappelle show and are now using those rights that they legally own to make money by putting it on HBO, things like that. And you have Chappelle, the original creator of the show and the talent that made it happen, saying, hey, since y'all are using my show to make money and I'm not profiting off of it, or at the very least getting a, uh, what I deem to be a fair cut, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you don't profit off of it. <clears throat> and I don't think that's bad either, honestly, especially given the fact it sounds like he tried to come to an agreement first and couldn't. Here's the one part where Dave Chappelle does lose me, though. Um, and I got to give a little bit of credit to uh, David Dennis Jr. He wrote um, a little article about this that there's major aspects of it that I do tend to agree with. And here, I got to find it real quick. Um, yeah, here we go. He said... I like working for Netflix because when all those bad things happened to me, that company didn't even exist. And when I found out that they were streaming Chappelle's show, I was furious. How could they not know? So you know what I did? I called them, them being Netflix, and I told them that this makes me feel bad. And you want to know what they did? They agreed that they would take it off their platform just so I could feel better. That's why I fuck with Netflix, because they paid me my money. They do what they said they're going to do. And they went above and beyond what you could expect from a businessman. They did something just because they thought that I might think that they were wrong. This is what bothers me about Dave Chappelle's argument. If he would have just said, man, it's bullshit. I don't make any money off this thing that I created. And they do. Yeah, I know I signed the contracts, but I think it's bullshit that we can't come to a, an agreement, a new agreement. So... You, the fans, should stop watching Chappelle show until they start paying me. I think that'd be fine. But the whole, it made me feel bad, they made me feel bad route, it's very weird and hypocritical coming from a comedian, especially a comedian recently known for railing against cancel culture and things like that. Like, how many times does a comedian hear so-and-so group is offended by your jokes? And the response from typical good comedians for them, as long as it's not something absolutely insane, is I don't care. Fuck them. Essentially. And I personally like that because 
it's a rare bit of comedy that can be funny without offending somebody. You got jokes about religion that offend religious people. You got jokes about race that offend whatever race you're talking about. You got jokes about politics that offend the party you're talking about. And so on and so forth down the list with pretty much everything. Jokes almost always make fun of somebody or something and whoever associates with those things can be offended. So it's not that I have a problem with Chappelle's big picture mission here, but I'm shocked he's literally going the route of it made me feel bad. It seems so anti-comedian almost. The end of this article says, objectively speaking, Chappelle has no right to complain about who chooses to air Chappelle's show and where they decide to air it. He signed a contract that gave his name away. And he also walked out on said contract, leaving the show up to the people in charge. Isn't this objectively the same logic that led... Yeah, isn't this objectively the same logic that led the internet to find zero sympathy for Megan Thee Stallion when she went public with her contract woes? And the same logic that silenced Monique when she didn't feel Netflix was valuing her worth? Yet miraculously, those same people who leaped to moonlight as contract lawyers on Twitter... Those same talent agents who thought Megan and Monique were in the wrong suddenly understand that decency is more important than what's written on a dotted line. Funny how that works. Chappelle can no longer pretend that he doesn't understand the motivations behind the people asking him to consider their lives when he writes jokes about them. When faced with his own grievances about a piece of comedy being disseminated to the public, he understood the merits of reckoning and resolution. Netflix capitulated to Chappelle's requests out of respect, and really that's all it takes. Sadly, not everyone can find the same amount of consideration for the people who need it the most. I agree with the idea behind those paragraphs. So yeah, legally, Chappelle doesn't have a leg to stand on here. He does have massive amounts of influence, and I think he's totally within his right to try to wield that. I also think it's dope he's specifically saying, I'm not asking you to boycott networks, boycott me, boycott Chappelle show. That's dope. Straight to the point. You don't have to ask, you don't have to question his motivation. That's cool to me. It's essentially a negotiation tactic, and it might work. But the whole, I asked Netflix to take it down because it made me feel bad, and they did, so they're dope, but these other networks won't because they're evil and immoral. That doesn't jibe with the way Dave Chappelle talks about tons of other topics. And of course, public reaction is predictable as well kind of like the article mentioned, Dave Chappelle is, is beloved, especially we millennials. We love us some Dave Chappelle. So we defend him almost instinctively. But I do see some of the same people riding for him that not only don't ride for others in similar situations, um, like David Dennis, who wrote the article mentioned, but clown others or simply say, well, you signed the contract. Which one is it? Don't change up the principles based on the people you're talking about. Even when you don't think it's business, it's business. Dave Chappelle, Netflix took it down because it made me feel bad. No, Dave, Netflix took it down because it makes you feel bad and you're a cash cow for them and a massive public figure, so they want you feeling good and producing more cash for them. Monique said Netflix wasn't valuing her work, went public with that, and they didn't give a shit. It's business. Because it's Dave Chappelle and he has millions upon millions of followers and he's a powerful individual, people have his back. 
But when Joe Schmo kid gets taken advantage of in a contract or something, it's you sign the contract. So, and this is a specific segment of people I'm talking about, but you see these people on Twitter. So it's like defend the rich and powerful, but not the, the poor and unknown. Okay. Got it. It's just crazy to me how, how often there are issues with contracts in the entertainment business. It's like every, every month there's a new one. I think it shows two things. A, the entertainment business is, is ruthless and they know they have the power to create a star. So if you're not willing to go by their terms, they'll go find another you. And that puts pressure on you. And B, people are very quick to want the fame and stardom that they'll sign anything. And oftentimes regret it. Even, even if they end up becoming a big star like Dave Chappelle. And I think, I hope those two things start meeting more in the middle because I think there's room for both. You know, I I talk about these types of things a lot and I don't think it's necessarily one side is better than the other. I do think tons of people get taken advantage of in these contracts, especially when you're talking big labels, big companies like Viacom. I mean, these contracts are just so lengthy it's insane um and so you can easily get taken advantage of in the fine print or something you you sign on the dotted line you you want to become a star you're nothing at that point and and if you say no they'll find somebody else so I, i do think it's ruthless in that way i also think that's lots of big business you know and i look at somebody like dave Chappelle, and i'm like without knowing exactly what the contract is Am I willing to say it's probably unfair? Absolutely. I think if he create he created Chappelle Show, and it's it's crazy to think it can get thrown up on HBO, generate money, and Dave Chappelle, the creator, isn't seeing any of that money. Um, but the flip side of that is. He signed the contract. He got the show on TV. He became Dave Chappelle, not in the sense that he wasn't Dave Chappelle without it, in the sense that we got to find out about Dave Chappelle. You know? You can have a super talented recording artist who never sees the light of day because he just can't get his, his music it, it, in front of our eyes or, or into our ears. And it, I do agree that you shouldn't have to make a deal with the devil in order to do that. And that's where I think these things need to meet in the middle. But definitely an interesting topic of conversation. Like I like seeing those things float around social media because I don't think there is just a clear cut, like that's bullshit or no, that's totally right. I think there's a lot of gray area in something like this. And I think it's interesting to discuss and, and talk about. Big college hoop game tonight, uh, two of them really, got Kansas, Kentucky, and of course Duke, MSU. Let's go. I'm excited about the squad this year. I was talking to my pops after our first game, and he said we look like trash. I hope he changed his mind a little bit after the Notre Dame game. I felt the complete opposite, even after the first game. So tonight will be a good test playing Duke. I think we're really deep. We do lack size, and we lack a true point guard. Two pretty important things, I'll give you that, but... We have a plethora of versatile wing players that can get it done at different positions. We'll talk more college hoops as the season goes on, especially when March Madness is kicking in. But I'm not going to pretend to know the college hoops landscape right now. I don't pay super close attention to to national recruiting or, or anything. So 
I got to see some games from these teams before I have any idea what I'm really talking about. But if you're a college, and that's outside of MSU, but if you're a college hoops fan, going to be a great night tonight. Settle in. That's it for today, boys and girls. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you get the pod in your library right away. Holler at me at Packy Raps on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts, and I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. I'm a company man, I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job and I give my love to the fans. Really spec from the jump, never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I earn a check in my hand.